coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. It's not a bad idea to to share ideas and, you know, learn from each other. But it, it, man, I watch so many people reach out in groups of their familiar friends and ask a technical question and not ask or not provide enough information, not provide sound samples, and then let a bunch of oftentimes men, uh, (laughs) especially if it's a woman posting, um, spin their wheels and climb, climb all over each other trying to answer the question. And um, who knows which is the right answer? If you need a learning, we're just an email away. Corporate narration, tell us what to say. Explain a video, imaging radio, slinging local cars, reading IVR. No, we ain't no stars. This is the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast. Welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. How are you? It's Kevin Kilpatrick in Nashville. Bobby Maxwell is in Cincinnati. And George, the tech widom, has joined us. Hey, everybody. George, how are you? I am great. Thanks for inviting me in. This is uh, always a blast to join other podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And George, uh, if you don't know George the Tech Whittem, George, uh, it's it's right there in the the title. He is a uh, technician, an audio technician, an engineer. George has been uh, doing audio technician-y type things for a long time. As a matter of fact, uh, since 2005, he has dedicated himself to voice actors and audio engineering. Uh, George, that's just the tip of the surface. Tell us a little bit more about how you got into uh, audio technician work specifically for the voiceover industry. Yeah, I well, I have a long history of audio, pro audio, and music. I have a music degree, actually. And so I always thought I was going to be a recording engineer or doing something related to music. And I did for a long time back, in, back on the East Coast. I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And things meander through life, and instead of like just sticking a, to one path and being stubbornly staying there, I I kept following different leads. As you know, things sometimes things put up resistance, or you start getting tired of dealing with some of the shenanigans that happen in certain industries, and you just go, "No, maybe that's not where I'm going to make my living." So then you pivot and you find other things. And mm-hmm. so I spent years doing that, kind of jostling around different areas of pro audio. I ended up doing some radio broadcast engineering for Eagles Football Network, which is still oh, cool. to this day doing all the Eagles games in Philadelphia. And I did that on the road and in the, you know, I basically was on, I was at every game for three years and that kicked off right after the 9-11 attacks because my friend was doing it and he's like, I'm not traveling anymore, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, screw this. I'm done traveling. Do you want to do the job? I don't know if they'll hire you, but if you want to do the job, it's yours. Because I was the only one who had interned with him and learned how to use his gear. So faithfully, I got to do some broadcast engineering, which gave me a really good foundation for doing this kind of work too, because you had to do a lot of different hats, wear a lot of different hats, and you had to have a wide range of disciplines. You had to know how to work under pressure of live broadcast. You know how to troubleshoot equipment very quickly. You had to know and understand how ISDN works to a degree. Mm -hmm. So all those things led to having a basis for supporting voiceover. I just didn't know it yet. And then I met a a producer at the station through the same friend of mine, good old Lane Massey, a longtime friend in the audio world. And that fellow ended up being a huge success after I got to work with him in his home studio. And his name is Howard Parker. 
I sometimes call him Client Zero. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people will know Howard. If you're a fan of promo work, you'll know Howard Parker. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Uh, he's a guy in the shadows, but his voice looms large. And <laughs> he, Yeah. Yeah. He sounds like he comes from the shadows, too. <laughs> totally. He's got that uh, killer voice, killer delivery, too. And so just because of meeting and getting to work with him, that that was the seed of an entire business. Because then he referred me to his management company, who then referred me to a few other great promo uh, voices of the time, Rick Robles, Rick Wasserman, um, and Melissa Disney. And that just grew. And then I met Don LaFontaine. And after that, wow. it was like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to drop everything else, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do production sound mixing on film sets. I'm not going to try to record live bands. I'm going to do this voiceover tech thing, and that's what I'm doing now, 15-plus years later. We need our hands held quite a bit, George. And before we get into some of this stuff, I want to tease a little bit about what's coming up. We're going to talk about how uh, newbies can come in and put together a booth on a budget. Uh, I want to ask George and a few what makes him want to scream at voice actors. Bobby has a little secret she is going to share <laughs> with George coming up in just a little bit. But George, first things first, what are some of the main things that you consult voice actors on? Um, which side of the microphone to speak into? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. How to? I did that at radio. A is it that times. bad? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Some mics are less obvious than others. Um, making sure that your audio interface is indeed the one you're actually recording, which all of us screw up. But from time to time, it's just kind of getting the discipline of checking and double checking and making sure you're actually recording what you think you're recording, which is exactly what I had to do right before we. Recorded this podcast. I had to <laughs> check and double check, change some settings and test until I got it and got it right because I was using some new gear. Um, and then it's just like learning how to get a good sounding recording, which isn't all about expensive gear, but learning how to use the gear you may already have. Sometimes upgrading things that are inappropriate or the wrong kind of mic or just really low quality or maybe defective. Finding out what's wrong in the system, what needs to be replaced, if anything. Not always. A lot of times people con contact me and the gear is all perfectly fine, but the mic placement is off, the acoustics are not quite right. And so I spent a lot of time helping people uh, improve their room, their booth, their closet, whatever their scenario is, to sound like they're in a studio, even if they're not technically in one. They, we, we want them to have a great sounding personal professional studio or PPS. So you do you people do you people do, do your clients <laughs> typically book you by the hour? Is it a is it a just go to your website thing? Is it a referral thing? How did how do they get to you and how much time do they have of George Whittem? Yeah, I I I you book through my website georgethe.tech and you can book me the first time you book with me it's a minimum half an hour. Um I can allow a 15-minute booking manually if there's just a few things to cover. But I we used to be able to have, have people book for 15 minutes, and they always needed a half an hour. So we, we, I just made it mm -hmm. a minimum half hour. Then, you, uh, then we go through your setup over Zoom. 99% of the time, it's going to be Zoom. If you're in Los Angeles, I can make site visits um, at quite a bit more cost because of the time invested to get anywhere in L.A. If anybody knows, yeah, it's just time consuming. So, you know, I will do site visits here, just just sparingly. I also have a, a, a small selection of 
what I call members. Um, a lot of them VIPs that, you know, pay a retainer type thing, like a membership to have me do, uh, on, you know, on demand or, uh, scheduled tune-ups of their studios but most of it's done that way it's over zoom and we we spend a half an hour to an to an hour you can book more time if you choose it's up to you but it starts with a half an hour and you can cover a tremendous amount of ground in, in 30 minutes um yeah and get a lot done and then you know i usually give you a, a laundry laundry list of homework to do Ooh. at the end of that 30 minutes <laughs> and if you've done it all right uh you're probably done and if you're if you're not you know if you send me an, an, an audio sample I'll, I'll let you know where you are now in this process and some folks are a quick study some people need a few sessions to to you know to rein everything in bobby among george's uh famous voice actor clients are as he mentioned don lafontaine Bill Ratner, Melissa Disney, Randy Thomas, Joe Cipriano, Scott Rummel, and Kevin Kilpatrick. What? <laughs> That's right. Really? I, didn't uh, I know had that. a session with George a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit less than a year ago. Bobby, you know what I do for a living. Yeah. So uh, a lot of what I do is uh, local car commercials. So it's like buy this Camry for one ninety nine a month, and then I'll bring it down to this and. Oh, look at the panda in nature. It's doing its thing. It's eating bamboo. No, so I go from really hard delivery to really soft delivery throughout yeah. the day. And George uh, got on board with me, helped me dial in my Avalon VT737 and my particular setup. I was also having sibilance issues. And George was able to dial in. Uh, rolling off my sibilance on the front end so it wasn't such a pain on the back end. And then he helped me set up my Avalon to where when I go from automotive to documentary, I press one button. Really? Press one button. Cool. And the setting, it, it's set and forget. And, you know, this is just my own little trick is I take a picture of my settings. Whenever I tweak them, I'll take a picture and it's there. It's preserved. If I accidentally bump something, it's setting right there. So George is a great help. We were able to knock that out in a half hour session. But Yes, Kevin, this is your life. This is the file you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what that does. Where's my script? A small town. It's most infamous resident. <laughs> Lizzie Borden. Oh my gosh! You <laughs> listen to this guy. He's got old audio. <laughs> That's right. That's funny. I can't believe you still got that handy. I keep everything. <laughs> but it was great because George was just—he was listening. And he's like, "Yeah, let's adjust this just a little bit. Let's do this. Oh, roll off a little bit more there." And blah blah blah. And it, it was just great. But George, what are what are some of the things that you work on with voice actors that you have to repeatedly tell them that makes you want to pull out your luscious hair over? You want to scream at them. A penny for your thoughts. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, well, I, I was saying earlier about checking your inputs. You do have to be, depending on your software, some are more make it more painfully obvious than others about which input you're using. And I will, I'll praise uh, Audacity for this because it's one of the few where it's extremely obvious what input you're using because it shows it to you right there on the window. So it's like right in front of you. You know what input you're using. And so I like that about that program. I wish others would follow suit. But a lot of folks just don't check their input and record the wrong thing. Mm. Um, another thing people do is just they don't maintain or carefully connect their equipment and things get dirty, dusty, or just loose. Um, I've had some very big name voice actors book me for me to simply tell them to plug something fully in. Oh. Um, push that connector all the way in or right, plug it back in or reboot your computer. Um, the reboot of your computer was so 
so insidious that it, it's in my like notes before the session, which is a reminder for you to reboot your computer before the session. Yeah. So we don't spend, you know, three to five minutes while we wait for you to boot your computer up again. So, you know, it's, this stuff is not getting, in some ways it's getting easier because the gear is getting like maybe less complicated on the surface, but it's getting more complicated under the hood. It's getting more complicated on the, on the software side. Uh, the, the technology, that's the, the stuff you don't see, all the magic under, behind the curtain is getting more complicated all at the same time. So yeah, no matter how many years I've had in this, I'm learning stuff constantly and I'm having to not reinvent things, but just evolve with what's coming down the pipeline and making sure that when I recommend something to somebody, it's going to do what I say it's going to do. And um, so I do try to test equipment or know that the equipment I'm recommending to people is has been really vetted by either me personally, my colleagues, or just the community at large. You know, I'm very cautious to recommend stuff that I, I haven't uh, known to be uh, reliable for more than a, a day. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one of the, the biggest fears for voice talent, especially me, who's, you know, low on the, the tech knowledge side, is that that terrible fear of you're in a very important session and something goes wrong with your equipment. Um, yep. And unfortunately, it happened on Friday. It doesn't happen very often, but it happened on mm. Friday. And it was a Source Connect session, a standard. And um, we had a surge in our um, power here. And my monitor went out, which had oh. everything. And I'm just going like, you know, and I, I, I'm recording with him. The client, a bunch of clients are on the line. And I'm going, what the heck? You know? I know. And Source Connect stayed connected. And yeah, computer was still running. Your internet was still working. Yeah, it was so bizarre. So I was, I was, I was recording, and and I didn't want to stop it. But check this out. So I finished the session. I went and and checked, and they of course co- recorded on their end, so it didn't matter. But you know, I was just thank God it the yeah. source connects it. But I I went back in um, the next day to record again, and my focus right was fried. Oh, from the surge. Wow. Yeah, it was totally bizarre. Then we had another surge yesterday, so something's going on in my neighborhood. Oh, but the, yeah. The, no, I, I use like some pretty heavy-duty power conditioning and power yeah, stabilizing it, a battery Please backup. consult with Bobby about that. Because, Bobby, do you not have, uh, are you not on, on at least a surge protector or a power well, conditioner? Well, I, I or asked my UPS? husband. That's the first thing I said. I said, am I protected? And he, he looked down, and I have two, two uh, outlets on the floor and he says well that one is but that one unfortunately isn't and that's what your focus rights going into so you know Uh, we're on it obviously but um, yeah it's yeah and those are the things you you're so the most worried about i guess as a voice talent i know and there's so many little things and because now we're not just recording now we're doing recordings and zooms right we're doing right now and there's so much more to know now like for example sample rates have to match so if you're recording your audio in one sample rate Zoom is operating sometime in a different sample rate. And depending on your system, it doesn't do a good job with that. And that might be what's happening to you right now. Because are you on a Windows computer? I am. Uh-huh. You have clocking problems right now because you're recording it. Are you recording at 44.1 I am. kilohertz? Mm-hmm. And Zoom wants to be at 48. So you didn't know that. How would you? All right. But that's a little gotcha. 
And so your recording hopefully will be perfectly clear, but what we hear on Zoom has static, like little, little tiny pops because things are not in sync. It's called clocking problems. Interesting. Happens all the My time. My coach and said last week she heard static on Zoom and I'm going, I don't know Right. So your recording's going to be okay, fortunately. You're probably, are using Adobe Audition or something? I am, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's probably using the ASIO sound driver, which means it's taking control of a sound card, yep. which means you'll probably have a solid recording. That's the most important thing. But in the meantime, Zoom is, you know, suffering as a result. Doesn't keep the session from happening, but it's something that you want to deal with. And it's just not freaking obvious. It's just mm. not obvious. Zoom isn't telling you this information, but you do it by, you find this out through a tremendous amount of trial and error. It's really how it works. Like you said, just more under the hood. I mean, there's so much yeah. more out there. I know. I know. As we in integrate more inside the computer, now everything in the computer has to gel together. And some, I'm a little bit of a Mac. I'm not going to say I'm a bit of a, a Mac OS fanboy. Not really an Apple computer <laughs> fanboy as much as I love. I love Mac OS, but I like that it's audio and video creator centric and it was designed for that first so it really like sound drivers and everything are far less complex and confounding in mac there, there's like if you have a device it has a driver if you're in windows it can have five or six drivers and then figuring out which ones to use and again getting things to gel with with each other you you run into more just conflicts so i just learned how to try to try to help people navigate that give it a bop bop wow George, I'm, I'm, I'm similar to what you're just saying. And like, I've been doing full-time VO for 16 years now. Prior to that, I was a radio guy and, you know, was always editing on commercials and stuff. And then people constantly ask me, you a Mac guy, a PC guy? Well, I'm a Mac guy too. Um, but mostly because I have, I, and I have used PC for all of my audio editing and stuff and producing and stuff. Yeah. But I have found that Mac just seems to work better in this playground uh, right. that we're right. working in. I and, think PC uh, I, is persistent too, especially in radio, because it's what all the automation systems use. Mm -hmm. Everything in radio runs on Windows, and everybody that I know that's been in radio it has a history of radio learned how to edit on Cool Edit or yeah, something yeah. like that's that, it. right? So <laughs> that's it. there's a common thread, and so a lot of folks are going to be on Windows for the rest of their careers because why change, right? I yeah. changed in 2006 because when I moved to LA, I felt I was I was starting to realize. Wow, I'm really kind of out of. I'm. I'm really. I don't know what the hell's going on because most of my <laughs> clients are on Macs, yeah. um, and I was a Windows guy, and I built PCs and all this stuff. And I realized I had to get a Mac so I could be a more in lockstep. And then the more I used it, it was the same thing. I just became more and more uh, confident about it, and just enjoyed using it more from a day to day. And it just kind of, just kind of stuck, you know. Yeah. I was a, uh, I'm a Pro, Tool, Pro Tools guy. And so but way back in the day, you had to have Mac to uh, operate yeah, Pro right. Tools. So I'm, I'm, and I'm still Pro Tools, but we're talking about some next level stuff uh, kind of right here, but let's, let's talk about newbies. Those just getting into it, George, sure. uh, a lot of people that listen to the podcast are just getting into voiceover and we get questions all the time. What microphone should I use? What microphone should I use? Right. And it, it, it's all that I can do to not yell at them, to ask them about the recording space before they even consider a microphone. What advice would you have for uh, people just coming into the business with regards to setting up a studio? Well, you know, I, I try to use analogies a lot because people tend to understand other types of technology more than audio. Like 
pictures or photos or video, for example. A lot of people, I mean, they shoot videos on their iPhones and stuff all the time. And, you know, they can kind of get the concept of if it's too dark, the video is going to look really bad, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something most people can get. I mean, technology on the video side is advancing so much more rapidly, in my opinion, than the audio side, because now you can shoot in practical near darkness. I mean, I can shoot a photo on my iPhone 11 at night with just starlight, and it looks like a sunset. It's surreal, right? So the technology is advancing, but in the audio side, it's not. In a weird way, it's behind. So you still have to do everything manually. You still have to, you know, have a decent amount of, uh, well, okay, let's, let's, let's have, let's define the terms in, in sound acoustics is light. So if you want a good photo or a good video, you need good light. All right. It doesn't matter how good the camera is. You need good lighting In audio. You won't have a great recording, no matter how expensive that Neumann microphone is without good acoustics. Okay. So if you can get that concept that will start help helping you guide your decisions about where you spend your money and what you do in your with your home studio setup but that is that's a critical thing is acoustics it's so important it's 80% of the, i think i don't know how to, there's no way to come up with a percentage but it's a tremendous majority yeah. of the way a recording will sound and uh so i harp on that just like you said and I make sure we spend a lot of time on that. Some, I think people sometimes they hire me thinking we're going to talk about gear. We're going to talk about gear. And I spend 75% of the time not talking about gear. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, everybody talks about gear. You can go on any forum on Facebook and talk about gear. It's the, it's the getting of the sound of the room right and getting your mic placement right. Those are the two things that are, are um, not well explained in most common forms. So that's where we put a lot of our effort. So if a, if a uh, a freshman came to you and said I have five hundred dollars to spend on getting started, mm-hmm. you would say let's treat your room first. Yeah, let's just assume a few things. One, you already have a, a quiet enough place to record that's not going to be interrupted every thirty seconds by aircraft. Yeah. You know, you're in a relatively <laughs> quiet area, uh, not Venice near near the Santa Monica Airport where I live. Okay, this place stinks for that. <laughs> then. Then you want to have um, a computer that's reasonably reliable. It does not have to be a Mac, obviously, but whatever computer you have, it has to be reliable, has to run well, and not make a lot of noise, okay? Because if it's going to be anywhere near a mic, you don't want the mic hearing the computer. Those two things out of the way, if you have $500 to spend, it's not going to be hard to get professional sounding recordings. You can get a $150 Audio Technica mic, Mm-hmm. One of my favorite budget mics is the 2035. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have one laying literally on my desk in front of me. There's just certain pieces that I'm constantly holding up when I'm talking on camera to show people. I'm chiming in, George, real quick, because some I helped a newbie out less than a year ago, and they had a limited budget, and that was the microphone that I recommend started out with. Cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a shockingly good and not often talked about mic. The one that gets brought up the most would probably be the 2020. Um, and this is just its upgraded version, the, the bigger brother, the 2035. But the additional improvements for a little bit more money, to me, are totally worth it. It sounds good. It has a high-pass filter, so you can get rid of the rumbly rumbles in your recordings, which so many microphones do a great job recording the 
the traffic and the, uh, you know, the plumbing of your neighbor's condo. We all hate the rumbly rumbles. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. That's like, well, that, that is a total pet peeve. So many people have a, a Neumann TLM-103, which is an incredibly sensitive studio instrument. Bobby. And they're recording in a closet or a booth at home, and it's picking up rumble like crazy. So the first thing you have to do is get rid of that. Yeah. That all aside, um, a good $150 mic. Yes, I did say good and $150 in the same sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> it can sound really good. Then you need a good basic audio interface. And, you know, there's a lot of usual suspects like the Scarlett um, 2i2 or even the Solo. Um, and then... It, and, and then it's uh, some decent headphones. Um, Audio-Technica is still one of my favorites. The ATH series, all of them, I think, sound good. Um, and then you need uh, some software. And, and that actually can be free. Audacity can be fine. It's, it's actually getting better all the time. Um, I'm a big Twisted Wave lover, that, but unfortunately, it's, win, it's Mac only. So if you're on Windows, Audacity is the one. And then whatever's left over, you know, you might tap 200 bucks left after that. Then you're going to buy, uh, you're going to deal with the acoustics of the space. And a walk-in closet or some kind of a closet space is the first thing people think of. And it's often where I recommend somebody goes because it's hopefully the quiet, it's often, not hopefully, but often one of the quietest spaces someone can find um, in their home. Now, if you're lucky enough to have a larger space, like an office that is quiet, then that is my first choice. It's much nicer to, to record in a larger space. It just means you have a larger space to acoustically treat. So it could cost a little bit more. Um, but you can spend that $200 on acoustical treatment, paneling, sound blankets, and leave a whole bunch of clothes in there. And mm -hmm. you know, you're not that far away from getting super high quality recordings. Shockingly good sounding stuff. That's scat worthy. Excellent. Well, George, we're only going to keep you a couple more minutes. Um, we're going we're gonna to plug uh, where people can find you in just a second. But before we wrap up today, uh, all this important knowledge, uh, Bobby is going to drop some knowledge <laughs> on us. A little secret. She's actually kept from me, George, for a long time. And, and we consider ourselves work spouses. So uh, I might get a little jealous here. Let's, Bobby, what is it's, it? Uh, okay, just bear with me, buddy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Kevin is, has often on our podcast, if he's a, a big fan or grew up, you know, uh, listening to somebody or he, he says he has a man crush, right? He's mentioned it several times on the podcast and I've never, ever said I had a, a girl crush, but <clears throat> I have told several of my female, um, VO colleagues that I have a man crush on George Whittem. <laughs> Woo! Oh my. Oh my is right. And, and let me preface this by saying I'm married to an engineer who built my studio. So, mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's kind of. That's your, that's, that's your pro and your con. I know. It's all wrapped up in the one. But it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, it's something about that kind of geeky rock star look confidence about you that is a very attractive and and so you know voiceover body shot for me is like 
And the fact he can save the day. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so voiceover. He could save the day. Voice. He could help a damsel in distress. <laughs> and voiceover body shop is kind of like my own weekly Bridgerton or The Bachelor. <laughs> well, I am I am lifting that, and I'm going to send that to my girlfriend, and she's going to love that. She's going to think that's the best. And George is going to be like, see, honey? I know. I am a good-looking, sexy guy. I am a nerd, but I'm cool, and I'm hot. Well, that's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank man. Thank you. Thank you. That makes me feel extra, extra good today. Oh, good. Good. Oh, that's blushing. Well, George, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, George is producer and co-host with Dan Leonard of the webcast uh, VoiceOver Body Shop, and you can go there and check that out at vobs.tv. And uh, he's also co-host of the podcast, The Pro Audio Suite. You can find George online at georgethe.tech. Such a such a 2021 yeah. uh, website yeah, address is. there. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Sometimes I get tired of explaining it, and I just say georgethetech.com. That also does work. Okay. <laughs> that, that gets them there, too? Yeah. All right. Well, George, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you being on the Middle Class VO podcast with us today. And uh, any final thoughts on, you know, quick, you know, just a slam dunk uh, piece of advice for uh, uh, those people that are in the voiceover business with regards to tech and audio? Don't get tech support solely through committee. Um, ah. It's not a bad idea to just share ideas and you know, learn from each other, but it, it, man, I watch so many people reach out in groups of their familiar friends and ask a technical question and not ask, a, or not provide enough information, not provide sound samples, and then let a bunch of oftentimes men, uh, <laughs> especially if it's a woman posting, um, spin their wheels and climb, climb all over each other trying to answer the question. And, um, who knows which is the right answer? Right. Um, and sometimes some of them are partly right. And um, they might get the answer eventually. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not wrong. I think you need, you need to have a, a basis of knowledge to know to how to ask the right questions. And that is, that's one of the problems with that way of going about things. Um, so, it's I there, you're going to find the right information eventually, but if you think of it like a business and you know what your time is worth to you, and I think everybody should know, or if they don't find out what their time is actually worth to them so that everything, every decision you make is based around that. Like when it, when it comes to your business, of course. And so that you're always thinking like, does this make sense for me to be doing this right now? Or should I be, finding a expert to help me with this right now just because i can do something should i do something should i do this so that's that's my double-edged rant it's the don't always go to uh getting tech support by committee and know when it's time to bring in a professional it costs some money but know that it's part of that getting you to an answer really 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 fast so you can go on solving the problem and move on to the next thing you hired. <laughs> it's kind of like he's an audio doctor, folks. George the Tech Whittem. Thanks so much. George the dot tech or George the tech dot com. And uh, you can find him. George, thanks so much. Thanks, George. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on. 
The Middle Class VO Podcast is a K2 Media Productions production. All views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests. The McVob Jingle was written and produced by Kevin. Co-produced and performed by Chloe Dolandis. Additional engineering by Zach Zimmett. Bobby's hair and makeup by Rebecca Adlita. Kevin's wardrobe by Slippery Pete's Fashion Emporium. All previous episodes are available for download on Podbean. For the Middle Class VO Podcast, I'm Tracy Thibodeau. I'm Lisa Lou Perry. Thanks for listening. And don't miss the next episode of the Middle Class VO Podcast. The Middle Class VO Podcast.